The Anton Savage Show Sunday. Brought to you by PwC. Combining talent and technology, we're hardwired to find solutions. On News Talk. My next guest, this guy. Uh, he is going to be uh, performing in his concert. It is called Popped In, Sold Out. It's with the RTE Concerts Orchestra. It's in the Three Arena. It is March 10th, which of course is Mother's Day. That's Mother's Day. Perfect time for it. Oh, that'd be great. Why don't you go and buy your mommy a ticket? <laughs> buy your dad one while you're there. Now, can I talk to you about something? Because I have a deep sense of resentment and I'd, I'd like to raise it with you. Well, oh, I'm, I'm the perfect man to do that Good. with. Good. Now, you made it very difficult to be a teenage boy in the late 80s, early 90s who didn't look like Marty Pello. <laughs> very difficult. Well, well, welcome across the to bear. <laughs> but, you know, isn't that, you know... I, I sometimes, you know, have the pleasure, uh, you know, of, of bumping into some people and, and they'll tell me those wee stories that they maybe get their hair cut in a similar way or they wore a jacket or did a certain thing that maybe that, that I did. And I think it's endearing. But when I look back at some of those videos that I did in the early 80s Yeah, and I wouldn't 90s, stand over all your fashion choices. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no. But I think, isn't that nice that I'm prepared to share that with the world? <laughs> most of the time, most people can have the luxury of being able to put those pictures into a drawer and never see the light of day but mines can be found on the internet but at the time at the time it must have been amazing I mean because there is there is rock star fame and then there's rock star sex symbol fame and you had that Venn diagram overlap well uh, that's nice that you say that Uh, but uh, you know I I guess that there were. You know, I've always had my eye on the music. I always that was first fundamentally what I wanted to do. And then that I, when I found myself being being given the front covers of magazines and etc. And, and then it was flagged up to me that that might be the way that uh, you know uh, that it was being perceived. You know, it wasn't something that I got up in the mirror and say you know in the morning go still got him, Marty. Ah, uh, yeah, but do you know what I mean? But it's when nice you're to out be of gigs and there's there's hundreds if not thousands of women yeah. screaming at you where you know that you're going to be <laughs> mobbed at all times. Like, how do you? Because I remember you reading about you, you're talking to your father and your father saying that what yeah. was it? Your great granddad had been a shipbuilder. Your grandfather was a builder. Your That's dad right. was a builder, and effectively yeah. that was yeah. what was due for you. It was only a couple of years thereafter that yeah. you have hordes of screaming teenage women. Well, I remember like, coming here to doing a, doing a, a record signing. I think it was at HMV in, in Dublin. And uh, I, I remember it caught us in a hop because we got we came here to sign the album and there was 3,000 kids waiting to get in. And the whole windows all came in. They all fell in. From the, the pressure whole, of the people from outside. From the, the pushing. And then you had three. Or, or everybody just ran into the, the store. And I ran out the back door. <laughs> I ran away. I was, uh, uh, because the, there was that. The, uh, that caught us in a hop. You know, we, we, we'd been playing universities. We were in NME, Sounds magazines. And then suddenly, when our first record came out, we were in the front cover of, like, Smash Hits. And a teeny bop uh, audience embraced us. We weren't that far older than ourselves. But to, to see that hysteria is, uh, is something to behold. Because uh, when it gets to fever pitch... Uh, uh, I can still remember it fondly. It was being quite scary because oh, you're wondering imagine. for people's well-being as well. But it also it's must kids. be difficult to navigate because it has to change your sense of reality. I mean, if you're spending all day with, I assume, a record label to yeah, some yeah. extent blowing sunshine at you because you're making them huge money. Yeah, that's what family's for. That's family, family. Connect with your family. We all. That's a coat you put on, and that was that was something that I always always remember my father saying to me. You know, he's like, "Look, son, here's the deal." You've wished for this, you now have it. How are you going to navigate it? 
And I said, well, Dad, you know, I, 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 on one hand, I'm, I'm a wee bit scared of, of what success will bring. And on the other hand, I'm, 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 over, I'm so inspired by it. He said, but this will be how you, you navigate this, son. And he said to me, see it like a coat you put on, but always remember, this is where, you, the, the, always remember family. And that's how I navigated it. It has to still be difficult, though. It has to be difficult to navigate when there is no... Because I assume there was nobody that you could turn to and say, give me the robot. Like, take somebody like a Miley Cyrus. Yeah. Miley Cyrus is in the lucky position of her godmother being good Dolly Parton and her father being Billy Ray Cyrus. So well, across his to bear. <laughs> do you know I'm but a bully they, can, they can say to her look here's what it's like here's what they'll say to you here's what the record comes. you didn't have any of that you had nobody to root you in no, the but there's a sense but, the, but there's a sense of the, the, let, let me give you an example I've got I've, I've, I've had my first number one record I'm making a few quid and I walk in the door at my dad and my dad's house and I'm wearing a Versace shirt my dad says to me first and foremost oh, that's about, that's about Rory, that shirt. I say, Dad, do you like it, Dad? I paid 300 quid for it. My dad said to me, I don't need to know that because I've just worked for 250 quid a week. Please show me the respect I justly deserve. And did you feel pressure at that stage to... No, it was a life lesson. <laughs> it was a real life lesson in that instance for me there because I thought, yeah, you're right. You know, well, you're right. You don't need to know that. I, you, you know, because he, uh, uh, everybody was playing catch up. You know, it's not just you. It's into your family and your friends. People interact with you differently. So you're playing catch up because you're on the front cover of the magazine. You're on the television. So people interact with you different. People give you an enormous amount of power that you don't need or you don't ask for. Suddenly you're at the front of the queue. Well, that's funny. I read a thing uh, where you, you gave an example of it that I thought was very interesting. Where you said you walk into a pub and you're faced with the choice do I buy everybody a drink because they expect it of me and I look cheap if I don't? Or do I buy everybody a Jeep and then they, a drink and they think he's a flash git and he's yeah. shown off the wealth? Yeah, well, that's because it's a juggle. It's a juggle. But, you know, it's like I've every right to be in that pub with my dad. You know, I'm sitting there and those people were the people I grew up with. But it becomes the worst thing because one day you're playing, one day, literally in the space of 24 hours, I'm on a yacht with Omar Sharif and 24 hours later, I'm, I'm playing snooker with my dad's mate who's an oxycetylene welder. <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, this is weird. But it, it, but it was, I was, you know, young and just going with it. So you, you're, you're, you suddenly you're a beer drinker with a champagne income. How do you, how, how do you balance that? When and I be said, respectful of it because it was it's so important to me that I still could go back to my, my hometown of Clybank. Does Clyde Bank still feel were. like home? Does it still feel like home? Because it's a long time since you've lived there. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, you know, it's a, the city I grew up It's the town I grew up in. When I grew up now, it was a shipyard community. It was famous for its shipbuilding. It was famous for Singer Sewing Machine Factory, which was the biggest employers in Europe. You know, the 15,000, 20,000 people would suddenly, at five o'clock, would pour into the streets of Clyde Bank, and I sold them papers as a kid. And I loved that. That's my Clyde Bank. When I go back there now, it isn't. It's a different type of thing, so I can be, you know, I still love the city because it's the town because it's famous for those great ocean-going liners that they built, the Queen Mary, the QE2, the the draftsmen, the quality of work. People are proud, proud little town, you know. So when I go back to Claybank, yeah, I can still find the streets that I grew up in. But but that never appealed to you. I mean, when you were growing up, you had no desire to follow in 
your your grandfather, great grandfather's. Um, well, I would have been lucky if I could have got an apprenticeship at the tail end of the at the beginning of the eighties. You know, Thatcherism and, and and the whole thing, the whole movement that was happening politically in Clydebank. Yeah, the shipyards were closing. They, 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 the they were all closing down, and so that when I left school, they were padlocked shut. But I had a vehicle through my music. And my father saw that in me. I wasn't building ships, I was building songs on a Friday night. When the rest of the teenagers were going out, I was finding the chorus for Angel Eyes. So he saw me. He saw there was something going on there. It was alien to him because he might have known a man that could have got me a job on a building site, but he didn't know a man that could get me on top of the pops. Did he respect it the same way he would have had you been a great welder or a great brickie? Absolutely, because my my father's uh, love was true. And, I, uh, and, 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 and my respect for him was enormous. But I, I, I know for a fact that when we were, we were growing up, that he, he was very much a meat and potatoes man. My mother was very much into the arts. She loved to sing. She loved that, you know, and, she, and nurtured that. And I can remember one of my earliest memories being my ma was at the Belfast sink washing the dishes and the sunlight was streaming in through the side of the window onto her face and she was singing a Burt Bacharach and Hal David song. And I was sitting at the fireplace and I looked up at my ma and I loved it the way it made her feel. And I knew, I believe to this day, I knew I would be a singer then because I connected to her through the gift of song. Talk to me then about the point at which you got on top of your success and got it all balanced. Because there was a period where you had a, a fairly significant challenge with alcohol, you had a fairly Absolutely. significant challenge with drugs. Oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. are now, you're clean and sober oh, quite yeah. some time. Oh yeah, 27 years now. 26. Is it that long? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you ever get even the tiniest craving anymore? Oh no, no, not at all. You know, I'm designated driver. <laughs> <laughs> and all of that encompasses. Do you know on that? You know, uh, there's drink in my house, there's drink in my fridge as we speak. I'm cool, run about alcohol. Uh, absolutely, 100%. It's not for me. I respect that. That is the most important thing in my life. Not my Brat Awards or your, your Ivor Novello Awards. The thing that was the most important thing to me that resonates from my life was my sobriety. Because that, that's real. That's real. It's real as real And how be. did you do it? Was it meetings? Was it 12 steps? Was it rehab? How did you get the sobriety? I had a moment of clarity. And good people. Once you have information about the disease, you can't plead ignorance. Oh, I didn't know. What was important to me is that I wanted to get myself back. And, and, and in order to do that, I needed knowledge. And once I got knowledge about the disease, I could do something about it. And good people round about me got simple. First thing I did is I parked the career up. Part that up because I've got some serious uh, issues to address in my life. And I knew that the two couldn't be juggled. So I had a wee look at myself. I got myself clean, I surrounded myself with good people, I got my family back, it meant I could use the word sorry again and it had gravity and honesty and all those good things that we forfeit as addicts. All that good stuff came back. Are you a different person post-addiction than you are pre-addiction? I've still no sense. Absolutely no sense whatsoever. <laughs> I'm still, I, I still have a childlike quality for my job. I love my job. I love, I love singing, I love songwriting. Every day is a school day. There's life lessons coming in but does it all bring, the time. Does it not bring with it some kind of massive personal insight? Is it, is it not a huge upheaval to go through that kind of addiction and sobriety? Does it not cause you to look at the whole thing through a different lens? Of course it does. It does. It looks at it and it gives you a sense of, like it certainly gave me, uh, it was like a reset button. All the players who are important in your life stayed. All the people who were not fell by the wayside. 
So there was there was a clear out and there was a re-evaluation of what your wants and your needs from your career would be. And then I started to understand about balance. You know, balance in your life, all work, no play. You know, yes, I will, no, I won't. And started to be really take control of that. You know, and saying, this is what I want to work on, this is what I don't want to do. And setting parameters up for myself. Because if it's all work, then you don't get to enjoy this. What's the point? <laughs> you know what I mean? Or you say, okay, I'm saving up for a rainy day. So when I get to the dusty end of my life, I spend all my money trying, because I'm ill. <laughs> it makes no sense. What then for Marty Pello is the fun side of things? What, when, you're, when you're not doing the gigs, when you're not working, what gives you the most pleasure? Getting a phone call from an old friend, having family around the table. No rocket science what I do. I love cooking. I love watching old movies. I love healing classics. I love to read. I love to... I find great beauty in the mundane. Because every night for me, I've had a lot of Saturday nights. You know, so for me, I'm a pretty simple, pretty simple man. You know, yes is yes, no is no. That's what the way I roll. You, what do you cook? Oh, I'll have a shot at anything. <laughs> Because you know what? I, I believe that, and I've always said this, music and food are about harmony. Both of them live in the pit of your stomach. So there's a connection there. And anything that gets people round a table talking, talking and breaking bread together, that's my idea of a great day. And if I can get a wee phone call for a friend I've no heard for, for a while, ah, I'll sleep well that night. Now, I have to ask you about the, obviously, the, the one thing that I still don't understand how, how it is. My happens. accent. All right, I get no, it. No, 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 much worse than the accent, much worse <laughs> than the accent. As I understand it, man, I don't know how you could allow this to continue as long as it has, but as I understand it, you're still a Glasgow Rangers fan. Well, see, here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? I grew up, I'm a Clydebank boy. My team is Clydebank. Now, there was a man that played for Clydebank called David Cooper. He was a famous football player in, for Clyde Bank. Sorry to go across, you sponsored the jerseys for Clyde Bank. Indeed I did. Day, didn't you? That's right. Yes, indeed I did. Clyde Bank was my home team. I'm a banky boy and that's my football team. And I remember David Cooper then went on to play for Rangers. And unfortunately we lost him at a very young age. But I was such a fan of his playing. My, my hero is Kenny Dalgleish. So I was probably the only man as a kid. I remember on Christmas Day, me and my mate, both, it was Christmas Day and both of us ran, the doors opened and, and I think it was about seven years of age and both of us ran out. I was wearing a Rangers strip and he was wearing a Celtic strip, right? But I, I'm sure then I was the only kid that when I scored a goal uh, with my Rangers top on, I shouted out, Dalglish 1-0! <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, forgive me for not being as, as up on it as I should be. How are Clydebank doing? You know that, that great yeah, joke? Well, yeah, you, well, you know, they're, they're in the, one of the minor leagues at the moment. They're doing pretty good. Are they? Because you know They've got a wee field that they play up in Dintoka. It's a shame, really, that the, the way it worked out for them and how the, the demise of the club happened. But there's a wee, but there's a heart there within the community of the people who are still supporting them. And, Cause Cause I, I always think of, you know, Billy Connolly's gag about uh, growing up believing that his team was actually called Partick Thistle Nil. Uh, <laughs> what a man. I love Billy Connolly. And uh, yeah, I've, I've just recently got his, his book of drawings and his artwork. And, uh, you know, I, I love it. I just, I love people like Billy Connolly because when I was growing up, people like Billy Connolly were on the telly and they spoke the way I did and, and, and were, were such an inspiration for us. And came from the same background. I mean, he was an Absolutely. apprentice welder, wasn't he? Yeah, and he worked he got... for John Brown's shipyards. Yeah, he'd spent his time there. And I think one of his cousins stayed in Kitchener Street just round the corner from where I did. So his children would know when he would go to visit his uh, his sister and we'd all run and see Billy Connolly. 
And there was, you know, there's people like Burn the Artist and Peter McDougall, all these people who were writing poignant stuff, and the actors spoke the way I did. And, and, and at that time, in the early 70s, but play for today and these sort of things, you would see work by seminal people like Peter McDougall, Just a Boys Game, Just Another Saturday, who were dealing with really poignant and powerful things that were happening in my community. And I, I still watch those programmes today because they aren't about yesterday, they're about tomorrow. For the people who are coming, March 10th, obviously, Three Arena, uh, you with the RT Concert Orchestra. What's your policy in relation to gathering around the stage door and pushing in the windows? Is that still okay or is there a point oh, which you say? you know, that's, you know, <laughs> I, that was say uh, that was over time. I, what I love about my audience now is that when I look out there, it's, I'm now seeing their daughters and their sons there. You know, recently I bumped into a bloke and he said to me, oh, Marty, I'm coming to see you and I'm bringing my son. And I said, oh, I said, I hope you enjoy it. He said, I will, because, you know, my man and I listened to your music and I grew up listening to you when they would have parties. And, uh, and, and, and I was so, as, I think as a songwriter, we need to hear that. And let me give you an example. One day I came out of the stage door and there was, there was an elderly couple standing there and they said, excuse me, Marty, do you mind if we give you a chat? I said, oh, fine, fine, talking away. And they were absolutely beautiful. They were immaculately turned out. And I said, if you don't mind me asking, I said, what age are you? And he said, well, I'm 90 and my wife is 92. And I went, oh my God, I said. And then I had a wee bit of a revelation. I said, so, you started to listen to your music and the age I am now, closer side to 60. And he said, yes. But directly beside them was two teenagers wearing popped in sold out t-shirts who had accessed my music through the internet. And I'm looking here and I'm looking at that arc and I'm saying, well, here I've got 90-year-old and two 17-year-olds. What's the common denominator that connects them? Connect, connect, connect. Music. Marty Pello, it has been lovely to talk to you. That is Marty Pello. Uh, popped in, sold out uh, next Sunday, 10th of March, which of course is Mother's Day in the Three Arena. The Anton Savage Show. Brought to you by PwC. Sunday mornings from 10. On News Talk.